Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. We're going to work on a few things this morning and pray that the Lord would just help us. And, and uh, this journey, this journey is a long journey. I heard a song that said, there's no place called roadside rest. Somebody, we knew somebody said, I'm going to take a break from God for a while. That's not a good idea. But it's a long journey, and, and the Lord is equipping us step by step. How do you get somewhere? You just take, put one foot in front of another, right? I was uh, dealing with somebody here recently that was just in all frustration. And the only thing I could think to say was just put one foot in front of another. That's how you get where you're going, right? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have just put one foot in front of another. God is going to give us strength for the next step. He's going to equip us so that we'll have understanding and knowledge and wisdom just how to keep on walking for him. Now, this walk in the Lord is from, it's from the very inception of our belief and faith and trust in Jesus Christ until the day we lay our head down in death and really pass from death to life. And that's what it's about. So you, you, you can go to church on Sunday and say, well, you know, it's just another Sunday. It's just, we're just going to be there and, you know, tolerate the long sermon and songs that I didn't like. Or we can say, Lord, I just want to take another step. Just give me another step. Give me a build upon my life today. And that's what I, where I want to be. Can you say amen? Let the Lord just build our life. And so we've got something today that is just so cliche for me. And uh, Rodney said it the other night <clears throat> when he was preaching. And, and I just couldn't shake the thought. So I'm going to have to bring it. Keep little things little and big things big. So I've never preached that sermon before. I have talked about it, and I've told many of you that. But we're going to look at the, the scriptural side of that this morning. Is that okay? We're going to look at the scriptural side. Little things little. Big things big. There are some big things. Oh, yeah. But if we don't know the difference, we're going to have a rough life. Spiritually and physically. Well, let's go to the Word of God. I want to look over in the book of Exodus, and, and so I don't have my Old Testament with me. 18th chapter and 26th verse. Exodus 18, 26. This, this was, uh, it's kind of something that, that if you're reading through the Old Testament, you may not catch. Uh, <clears throat> it says this, <clears throat> and they judged the people. At all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses. But every small matter, they judged themselves. That's a good place to start. If we're going to go over into Matthew and, and see something about what the Lord says here in uh, Matthew and Luke, the uh, 23rd chapter, and it would be the uh, 21st verse, and I want to read down a few verses from that. And so the Lord says, and 
and the one swearing by the temple swears by it, and the one dwelling in it, and the one swearing by heaven swears by the throne of God and by the one sitting in it. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for you pay tithes of mint and dill and cumin, and have left aside the weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy and faith. And again, I think Pastor Rodney talked about this. And it was right to do these and not to have left those aside. Verse 24, blind guides straining out the gnat but swallowing the camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but wherein they are full of robbery and excess. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and of the dish, that the outside of them may become clean also. Luke, the 10th chapter, and the forty. Second verse, I want to read one more verse here. And all of these things are very familiar, uh, but we're going to try and frame it in this. But answering, Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but there is need of one only, and Mary has chose the good part, which shall not be taken from her. Now, all of, all of you that went to Sight and Sound, you got to see that the other night, and uh, they made a mess of it. So we're going to try and bring it back in, reel it back in a little bit. But uh, the Lord has some big things, and there's some little stuff, and there's some big stuff. And let's talk about that this morning. Lord, we just ask you as we open your word that we'll also open our hearts. For you bring the light to us, Lord. God, and your messengers and preachers, when they have stood before you and studied and prayed and, and found a, a topic or found verses that we feel like, Lord, that you need to use and encourage our lives, God, may we receive those with joy, we pray, and leave out of here with just a new freshness in our heart. And we we'll thank you for it, Lord. And everyone say amen, 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 amen. The, the balance of life is very delicate, very delicate. We think of ourselves as, you know, we work on this. We really go towards this. We think of ourselves as men and as, you know, we try and develop that. We're wanting to develop that in all of our young men. We don't want them to grow up to be sissies. Can you say amen? And so we're working in that direction on them, and then we want our ladies. We don't want our ladies to grow up and act like men. We want them to be sissies. We want them to be frilly. And, and you know, just, just grow up with, with the, the feminine things. And, and uh, so life, the balance of life, you know, it, it, it's delicate. It's, it's, uh, it can move so quick, and, and people get out of balance. And, and so I try, and with my children over the years, and I've tried to... to put this into my life and, and make it part of my, my living is that there are little things in life and there's easy to get out of balance over just the simplest thing. Most things in life are small. They're not big. 
We feel like they're big. We feel it closing in around us. It may take us, take our attention. Um, but most things are very small. We have a tendency to make the things that affect us to be very big and the things that affect others, oh, they'll get over it. That's kind of how we feel. But, but things that affect us, they get just blown out of proportion, and at times we get wrong reactions because we don't see things in the balance of life. We see some things too big for what they are. They're just not that important. And then we make the mistake sometimes of overdoing, overcorrecting, making it too big and making it too big of a deal out of it. We look back later and say, I really shouldn't have done that. That wasn't that big of a deal. And now I'm going to say, if you're married, you have experienced that, or you're lying. Some things just aren't worth My mother used to say that. You're raising children, and that may be your husband or your wife. Pick your battles. Some battles aren't worth fighting. They're just some things that aren't important. We make them too important. I think about raising kids, and, and uh, thank the Lord I'm done with that, I think. But we uh, go through all those battles of trying to bring kids up, and I was talking to Chris the other day, he's almost, he's close to the empty nest. I mean, they're getting close, and, and some of you, they, these kids have come all the way through, the, we've done another generation here. And But the, all the rigors of raising kids, and you can get caught on the small things and let the big things go. And in so doing, you look back later and you say, oh, man, I should not have done that. I should have taken care of this. And, and so it's easy, you know, as, as things go by. And all of you that have little ones, you're going to have to experience this, that there's stuff that, that just isn't worth falling out over. And then there are some things that are very necessary to fall out over. It's keeping little things little, understanding what is little, and keeping those things little in our life. Can you say amen? There are folks that enjoy daily drama. I can't stand drama. Some folks just love drama. And if they don't have any, they can make it up. If they can't make it up, they can borrow from somebody else. Just give me some drama and all oh, worried about it. And, and I mean, you, you know, as Facebook goes on and on and on, there's just all these issues and things to get worried about with people. And, and you know what? Most of that stuff, it's going to pass. It's not going to make any difference in our life. And, and we get upset about it. And, and uh, you know, we, we watch the news. I'll tell you what, I'm just about to the place where just just, you know, it's almost worthless to watch the news. You get upset. You're making, they make some of the biggest things out of the littlest things. And they make some of the littlest things out of huge, big things. And I'm going, these people need to be arrested and put in prison and they're patted on the back. And then other people who seemingly did just almost nothing made a big, big deal of it. It'll go on for week after week after week about some little thing that was done or said, and it really is too little to take it to heart. It'll pass on. 
But if everything is big, then you can't let go of anything. You will walk through life worrying about everything. There are some things worth being concerned over. Oh, yes. But if everything to us becomes big, and I think again about raising our children, if everything is big and everything they do, it make a big, big deal out of it, then when big things come, and there are some big decisions for, for teenagers, there's some big decisions for people who are going out on their own, and, and those things are huge, and those things are big, and we need to be ultimately concerned about that. But if everything is big, then we let nothing go. Some of us just need to let go of some stuff, say amen been hanging on to things that it just doesn't matter. It didn't matter then. It doesn't matter now. Just clean the plate, get rid of it, let it go. It's not that big. And you will feel a lot better about your life if you just clean the plate and let it go. There's nothing you can do about it anyway. You can't change. Jesus said, can you change things by worrying? Can you somehow even add one hair to your head because you're worried about it or, or the length of, uh, or, or the height that, that you can get taller somehow because you were No, you can't worry things and into existence and make them uh, leave or get better. But sometimes God just, he just wants us to let go of some and just, just call it too little to spend your life on. I don't want to just look back and spend my life on things that were so unconsequential that it didn't matter anyway. I want to spend my time, I talked about time a couple Sundays ago, and I want to spend my time dealing with things that are important, things that mean something in my life, not a bunch of little rhetoric. Amen. So some stuff you just need to let go. And I want to tell you something else. You may not know this, but after a while, people get annoyed with people who make everything big. Just get annoyed with it. I don't want to be around that person. Every little thing is too big. So God help us to understand those things that are big and those things. Have you ever heard the story of the young man who cried wolf? How many heard that story? Okay, almost half of you. Let me tell you the story, then everybody will have known it. It just may have happened, I don't know, but it was just an old story when I was a kid. They used to say it, that a boy, a shepherd boy, took care of the sheep, and, and one day he thought what he saw was a risk of something happening to the sheep. Maybe it was a wolf, and he went to the village and cried wolf, that there was a wolf coming to attack the sheep, and all the people began to run out and protect, to protect the sheep and the shepherd, and and he just got the biggest kick out of that. So he decided that that was something to do. And a few times he did it again and people come out. And then, and then finally, a really, a wolf did come. And he cried wolf and the people did not come out to protect. If you make everything big, there's going to be a time that people won't come out anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. They want us to be real about the things that we're facing. Moses learned this, and I, I read the book of Exodus there. Moses learned this from his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, Jethro, we don't know too much about. said he was a priest in his order. I don't know what kind of a priest he was. I don't know what the man, but he had some wisdom for Moses. Moses 
was a few months into the journey now. They had come out of Egypt, and, and they had gone through the Red Sea. They're out in the, the wilderness now, and they've, they've come to uh, some issues, and, and they've had some complaints, and, and Moses has cried out to God, and, and the Lord's preserved them. He's kept them, and, and so now Jethro comes out with his wife, uh, Moses' wife, and his children. They started off with him to go to uh, Egypt for the exodus, and I don't know what happened, but maybe they were just vacationing, went out to see Jethro, and, and so Jethro comes out to meet Moses in the wilderness, and he's looking at what's going on, and from morning, the scripture said, from morning till night, Moses is sitting in, in his judgment seat, and they are lined up, I guess, as far as the eye can see. You're talking over a million people, and you have a lot of problems with a million people. I know we don't have very many people here, and still yet there are problems that we have to deal with. And you get a million people out there, there's a lot of problems, and Moses is just working from day to night. And, and uh, Jethro sees this and says to Moses, now look, he says, you're going you're gonna to wear yourself out. You're, it's too much for you to do this all the time. So why don't you get some judges, call some good men, and appoint them to help you judge matters of Israel. And Moses, he gets thinking about this and, and begins to implement this. And, and now this scripture that we just read, and it said that Moses handled the hard issues. And the other judges handled the little issues. There are big issues, and there are little ones. Now, I can see most of the church folks, they would say, no, no, I don't want the little judge. I think Moses needs to hear what I've got. Because what I have is so important, but those judges are like, no, we're going to take care of this. Your cow has a problem. Okay, we're going to take care of that for you. Um, you're having a little scuffle with your neighbor. Okay, we're going to take care of that for you. But the big issues, the things that are really weighty are going up to Moses. And now and God is, is using him. Jethro had helped him in this way. And, and, and again, Jethro disappears. We don't know anything else about him. But he did one good thing that really helped out Moses. And that was to differentiate between the little and the big to the important and the non-important, and the church did the same thing. You remember the church, the early church was going on, and there were issues about feeding and taking care of the widows and those kind of things. The apostles got together and said, we should not leave the study and the word of the Lord and the preaching of the gospel to the people to wait on tables. Now, they didn't think they were too good to wait on tables. It just waiting on tables was a small thing, and they were going to take care of the big thing. And so in the early church, there were big issues and there were little ones. And I'm sure that if big things came up, it went to the apostles. So this was sort of a pattern what God had established way back with Moses so that, so that we would know that there are things that are heavy and weighty and there are things that really don't make that much difference. Jesus took the time to let us know that some things are weightier than others. I'm now that I...
leper is equal in his sin to a person that said a white lie. I just, I just don't feel, and something in my spirit says, that's not right. That's not equal. Something's bigger than something else. And there is percussions. There is results of something bigger that don't happen with something smaller. And so the idea of all sin is sin, and we walk around the church and say, well, this brother, he has a problem with uh, once in a while he'll get mad at his dog. But the other brother, he has a problem with, with uh, uh, another, another person's wife. You know, I just can't say, well, hey, we're all sinners. It's all sin, and it's all just, you know, some things are big and some things are little. Pray God that he protects us from the big things. Can you say amen? There are some things that really are going to cause us great grief and trouble, and they're going to bring us down. And there are other things that we just need to say, God, help me. God, forgive me. God, help me to get up and go on. Straighten this thing out in my life. It may be a little thing. It may need to be corrected in our life, but it's not a big thing. And say, God, keep us from this idea that all sin is sin. So if I do commit something so small, I might as well go out and absolutely live it up. I do not believe that that's the will of God for our life. That's baloney. Sin doesn't get you to hell anyway. Well, that's weird. I thought the soul that sinned shall surely die. When you're born, you are on your way to hell. You don't have to do a thing. You have sin nature. Oh, oh let's see. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why I say you don't have to teach a kid to lie. You don't have to teach them to be selfish and mean. That comes naturally. You don't have to take, teach them to take, to, to, to take the toy from the other kid. No, you don't have to do that. You have to teach them not to because of the sin nature. You're on your way to hell. Sin, it just, if you could not sin, you wouldn't go to hell. No, that's not possible. You're born in sin. It's what you do with Jesus determines whether you go to hell or not. It's what you do with him. It's if you receive Him, if you rely upon Him, if you believe in Him, that's your determination. Refusal to believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord, that determines where you are going to spend your eternity. God's not afraid of little sin. He's just not afraid of it. I think about Peter, and the Lord looked at him and says, Peter, you're going to fail. But when you are regenerated, when you come into the kingdom, you're going to strengthen the brothers. It doesn't scare the Lord at all that Peter's going to deny him. And that's almost like, to me, it's, you're denying you don't know the Lord. You're denying that you ever walked with him, that you don't know the man. Certainly you're equal with Judas. No, he is not equal with Judas. He has fallen into a mistake in his life. He fell for fear and worry because he thought they would get him too, and he's trying to preserve his life. But the Lord says, says to him that, that when you are converted on the other side of this thing, you're going to strengthen the brethren. But he says to Judas... 
it's better for you that you had never been born because of the greater sin. Do you see what I mean? Peter had a fault and failure in his life, and it wasn't like he shouldn't have done that. But Peter had a heart towards the Lord, and the Lord knew that he was going to come through this thing. I prayed for you, Peter, and you're going to make it through this thing. I hope the Lord's prayed for some of us. Because I find out that even church folks aren't faultless. That we have, sometimes, you know, we've got what they used to say, what, clay feet. Sometimes we just, we meant well and it didn't happen. We tried a thing and it didn't work out. And But our heart, our heart is renewed and refreshed in the Lord. We come to Him and say, Lord, now take care of this issue in my life. And I know as a Christian, I've had to do this. Anybody else? Don't raise your hands. Is there anybody else here that said, Lord, I failed you there. I, I'm sorry for that. I didn't want to get caught in that. And it did happen. And now I am sorry for that, Lord. And my heart is not to be out there. My heart is not to go with the world. My heart is not to live like I used to live. And God, I've made a mistake. And, and the Lord sees that. And He's not willing to kick us out. He is slow to anger and quick to mercy. And God wants us to make it in the long run. And so sometimes He even allows us to fail in our own life so that we see where we're at. But yet God is able to secure us. Can you say amen? What oh, a wonderful Savior. I trust in Him. I trust in His salvation power. See, Yeshua, He holds the power to forgive instantly. He tells the Jewish leaders, the priest, you are going to die in your sin because you do not believe on Me. See, the only solution... For what's ahead of you and I as human beings in our natural state is that we believe on Jesus Christ. And He is the fix for our sin. Can you say amen? He makes us righteous. Everyone sitting here that knows Jesus this morning, you are righteous. You are right. You are good. You are clean. You are holy before God. God does receive you. You are right in the eyes of God because we have believed in Him. We have believed in His Son, His sacrifice for who He is. And, and He is Almighty God. And He is able to forgive sin in a moment. Listen, you don't need to do penance. You don't need to do Hail Marys. You don't need to go to a confessional. You don't even need to go into a water baptism tank. Jesus will forgive you instantly by the power of His blood. Can you say amen? Little things in your life will defeat you. Let me say this too. The enemy of your soul would like to take little things in your life and explode it up to where you're defeated because of a little thing. I want you to know there's some little things that you're going to contact in your Christian walk. You're going to come against some small things. And the enemy is going to try and blow it up and say, you're out. You're no good. You're not worthy. You shouldn't even be here. Look at your past. Look at where you've been. Look at your mistakes. But I don't stand here this morning by my own goodness. I stand here because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. Because He is the one that I am leaning upon for my salvation and not my own. 
Well, you made a mistake. Go out and do 100 male Harry, Hail Marys. <laughs> male Harrys. Either way, go out and do some penance. Go out and, in Mexico. They'll crawl through glass. We saw them down the freeway. Between the freeways, they, they munch up glass and, and put it there. And, and they're crawling on their hands and knees and, and they're bleeding and take little whips and they'll whip themselves in the back because of their sin. You don't need to do any of that. Yeshua instantly forgives all that come to Him. He turns not away. Everyone that believes on Him shall be saved. Can you say amen? He'll take every big thing and He'll wash it from your life. So, well, Pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know the things. It doesn't matter. That's under the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care where you've been. I don't, you don't need to confess to me. There's one greater than me. Can you say amen? You don't need to come in bringing all your faults and failures to me. You bring them to the Lord. Lord is going to fix your life. He's able to touch you and forgive you and make you right and in right standing in a moment of time, it doesn't take him a week to fix you. It doesn't take him a day. It doesn't take him an hour. It doesn't take him a minute. The moment, the moment that you confess to him, the moment that you cry out upon his mercy, he's there to forgive. Can you say amen? That's a great Savior. That's a great Savior. All the matters of the law were not equal. Jesus made that plain. I can see the, the priests and the scribes and Pharisees, you Pharisees, hypocrites, sitting down at their kitchen table and taking their dill and coming. Those were house plants. And they would put their little harvest down on the table and cut. That looks like a tenth. Go over to the dill. That okay, that looks like a tenth. Coming. Jesus said, Oh, you're very careful with that. He said, You are so and how can you be sure that you are so exact that that you tithed on that perfectly? But that was such such a big, big, big deal to them. And he said, You're really good at that. There are some people that are really good at giving tithe that don't know the Lord. I know a person that Give tithe. Give God the credit for, for every blessing, for the job, for, for all the monetary stuff. And at the same time, was leading a homosexual life. Uh, no, 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 no. No, get the inside of the cup clean first. God doesn't need the tithe if you don't have the inside of the cup clean. In fact, the tithe doesn't even work if you don't have the inside clean. I know I've heard the testimonies about, what was it, J.C. Penney and different ones that, that may not have even been Christian, but they gave tithes and, and God blessed them. No, they were good businessmen. Yeah. God doesn't bless the sinner. Somebody say amen. You get the inside clean, and then God, he blesses the outside. So the Jews would take the little stuff. And just really make a big, big deal about the little things. And I don't think the Lord so much was even talking about just the, the coming and, and, and the deal and whatnot. 
I think what he was talking about was the matters of their heart. He said, look, you don't have no mercy. You lay upon people such a heavy burden that they can't bear it, and you won't take one finger to help them lift that weight. You have no mercy on them. They'll come with stones to, to kill an adulterous woman. But when they read their own life, they can't throw the stone. They'll overlook big things and choke on little things. So the Lord uses the biggest animal in Palestine, the camel, and the littlest creature, the gnat. And Jesus said, you're very careful to get that gnat out of there. But you're swallowing the camel. You're overlooking the big matters. You're making little things big and big things little is what you're doing. And Jesus said, I don't approve of that. You need mercy and judgment in your life. You need righteousness in your life. And we do it as Christian people, not just in the Jewish world, but in the Christian world. We'll overlook things that we should not overlook, and we'll make little things so big, we'll look at others. Jesus said it. You'll see just a little speck that's in your brother's eye, and you don't take care of the moat that's in your own eye. And what he's trying to say is, you're making little things big and big things little. Listen to me. Mercy, mercy and judgment and faith. If we don't have mercy and judgment and faith, what are we doing calling out all the things of something, someone else? We're calling out things that they need, calling out things that are errors of their life, and we don't have any mercy and judgment and faith in our own life. We have overlooked the big matters, and we've gone to the little stuff. Herein is the fault of the holiness movement. Now, I'm going to say it from experience. Y'all, we went around to some of the churches around here, nice people, good people. I believe they love the Lord. Herein is the mistake. Taking little things and making them big. Taking things that don't mean that much and making them headline. See, I believe in modesty. None of you here has ever seen me immodest. I believe in it. I believe the Scripture supports it. Can everybody say amen right there? No, you don't have a choice. So, well, I just really don't believe that old junk. That was old time, and yeah, you can do that with all the Scripture, right? We are a modest people. That's who Christians are. And I believe in it, and I'll stand for it. And, and uh, thank you yesterday. We went out there. Nobody was embarrassed because somebody came out there looking lusty and, and wrong. It, it, just, it was just a nice time, and everybody seemed to be. But I will not let go of modesty. However... However, it's little in comparison to your love and knowledge and fellowship in Jesus Christ. That's not the headline of the Christian church, is that we are modest, and so the world needs to know we are modest. No, that comes by virtue of knowing Jesus Christ. 
Because if the Spirit of God dwells in you, He's also going to make attachment with the Scripture that has already said to us to be modest in how we look, to be modest in our apparel. And sometimes what we do is take the little thing and make it big. I can look modest and not know the Lord. I can have my hair cut right and not know anything about Him. I can come to church and do the thing and everybody look at me and say, boy, that's a good Christian man, and then find out later that, no, that's not the case at all because I didn't know the Lord. I didn't walk with Him. I didn't care. My heart wasn't right before Him. And so modesty can be fixed in one fell swoop. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Just put on the right stuff. Just look right. That's all. That's all that modesty is. But having a heart towards God is a different thing. Can you say amen? And so Jesus said, okay, when you're cutting up the the, the mint and the rue and at modesty and things that you wear, I've never been a clothesline preacher. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend much time there. Just modesty is what I say. But but I'm, you know, the cutting it all up there and it's like the mint and the rue or the the coming dill. Don't forget what things are big and what things are little. Can you say amen? But don't leave aside the things that you need to do, too. Say, well, I just love the Lord, and so it really doesn't matter. I just do whatever, and, and God sees me in the bathtub, and so, you know, I, I just go out there, and I, I can look that way and out in the world, and it's all fine. No, I don't believe that at all. You don't leave off modesty in your life. Now, listen, I want to redefine some positions in our life, and if this is okay with you, and... Um, we're just going to talk about some issues that we have talked about before. But I want to just kind of redefine some position in our life. Let me say this to you. Money and possessions are little. Money and possessions are not big. Oh, we think they are. We spend our whole life trying to get there. But they're just not big. You know, I told Rodney, I said, I always wondered what it felt like to, to not have a house payment. And finally I got there. You know how it feels? No different. Absolutely no different. Because money and possessions are not attached to your spirit. Don't attach them to your spirit. Money and possessions are little. You got it today? Tomorrow the government comes by and says they need it, and you don't got it no more. And not a thing you can do about it. We were talking the other day. I said, well, it's kind of crazy. You know, the government owns all the property. Well, they just pretty much own everything. Whatever they want, they just commandeer it, take it, whatever. don't believe that happens too much, but it could. Did you ever really think that the Lord wants you to be rich? That's an anti-gospel. The prosperity gospel is an antithesis to the real gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord says something like this. It is extremely difficult for a rich man. Not impossible, but extremely difficult for a rich man to ever enter the kingdom. So what he wants to do is make everybody rich. So you'll be struggling your whole life to enter the kingdom. No, we've got it out of place. We've made money and possessions big in our life. 
and it's not big. Oh, I know we need to supply, and I know we work to supply our needs, and, and, and God help us in that. But, but I, I do tell you this, that, that the Lord stood by and watched a little widow woman put everything she had in the offering. What kind of a Lord is that? Really? This little, and you bragged about it? That this little woman only had just a little bit of existence left and put it in the offering. Because money is nothing to Jesus. It's nothing. I preached a sermon some time ago, probably a year ago or so or more, about Peter and catching the fish. Do you remember that? And the Lord said, cast over on the right side. He hadn't fished. Oh, Lord, we fished all night and caught no fishes. And he said, cast, put your, put your nets out on the right side of the boat. And when they brought them in, children, have you any meat? That was it. No, we didn't have any. Cast your, cast, your, cast your nets. When they brought them in, they had 100, I think it was 156 big fishes. And so I did just a little study on how, big, how much a big fish would go for. And I came up with the conclusion that that one cast profited Peter and his, and his boat $15,000. But I fished all night, Lord, I haven't caught a thing. It's because you're not the provider. He is. And he can change that in a moment of time in your life. I've experienced it. I've seen it all my life. If you're ever self-employed, you go through this. Lord, we're out of work. We don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, the phone begins to ring. All of a sudden, somebody gets a hold of you that you did work for before, and, and they got somebody that wants something done. I've experienced that for 40 years, and I know that God is my provider. The dollar is not my provider. The boss is not my provider. Jesus is my provider. If he can give Peter a $15,000 boost in just one casting of the nets, he can take care of our needs right along. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. So, if we make money big, we're going to get out of balance in our life. Here's another one. What people think about you is little. We're half the time walking around worried about what people are thinking about us, and I need to worry about what the Lord thinks about me. I mean, this world, why? Listen, you can't, you can't impress the devil's folks anyway. Well, I kind of want to be like the trends of the world, you know, the certain trends that come through. If you live as long as I have, you get to see them again. I think it's kind of comical. They, uh, years ago when I was a kid and they playing basketball and, and it was, if you look at any of the old games in college and high school and, and the pros, and they had on such a, just little panty things, man. They, they just looked, you know, funny. And then they got longer and longer. Pretty soon, those guys were wearing the gangster stuff out there in the NBA and, and, and college game bound down below their knees. Man, they got modest. And guess what? It's coming back around the other way now. Trends are just that. They come and they go. Let me tell you something about trends. The people who set the dress trends for America. They're a bunch of homosexuals. Hope that doesn't offend anybody. 
said, man, I want to copy that trend. That's pretty cool. You're copying a homosexual. Thank God the old cowboys weren't homos. Can you say amen? Not very many queers. They, they, they got rid of them. Quit trying to be like them. You're not them. We're separate from the world. That doesn't mean you have to look dumb. But we're separate from the world. The world doesn't set for me what I'm going to do and how I'm going to live. The Lord and the Scripture set for me how I'm going to live. And I don't care what they think about that because I'm not living for them. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, separate, and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can you say an amen right there? And so, God, I'm going to live a life that follows after you, Lord. I want to live a life out there. I'm in a marketplace. I'm in on a job. I'm, I'm doing whatever I do. I, I want to follow just like I'm walking right behind Jesus. I want him to look back at me and say, come on, son. That's good. Come on. You just follow me. Don't follow the world. Don't listen to the world. Let's, let's, let's go again here. Family is big. We preach family here. We believe family here. We believe God ordained family. It's an institution that he put together. That men and women need to train their children. And the children, they eventually get married and they train their children. This is the way of God. Family is big. But Christian family is bigger. There's a lot of people don't believe that. That's okay, but you're wrong. When Jesus looked around and said, who is my mother and who is my brother? And they were just outside the meeting. <laughs> they had just got there. Somebody said to him, Lord, your mom and your brethren are here. And his answer was, who is my mother and who is my... These who are doing the will of my father. Does that mean that we don't love... No, we do. Family is big. I believe, I believe in strong family. I believe that it's part of what we do in our Christian life. But our... Christian upbringing is greater. Listen, don't just bring your kids. I know people that have given every advantage to their children, made sure that their children had the most trendy stuff, made sure that they had everything they wanted in life and, and all the stuff and all the vacations. Took them everywhere. Took them lots of times to Disney, lots of times here, there, sporting events and fishing and hunting and, and didn't raise them in the house of God. And the only thing you could look back and say, I wish I had raised them among the people of God and the family of God and not just tried to raise them as a family. Because now they're serving the devil. You get one chance in this thing to raise your family. And you want to raise them in the house of the Lord. Can somebody say amen to that right there? And so, let me give you this one. Where you live is little. <laughs> amen. That's beautiful. We used to live in California. We don't anymore. But the geography has nothing to do with the person. Where you live is little. 
I remember some time ago, and boy, we went through financial disaster. We thought we could make it. I thought it was another bump in the contractor road. Been through many of them. But this was, what, 2008, 9, 10, around in there. We were going gangbusters. We were making more money than we had ever made. We were putting money back. And it looked like things were just on the up and up. And then uh, Obama took over. And things began to head south. By the time it was all done, <clears throat> we had lost our business. We had lost our houses. <laughs> we were, I bought a, some of you remember this, I bought a little flatbed trailer and built a thing on it so we would have, you know, our own place to live. And I'm going to tell you about that. If you're living without payment and you've got your house, you're still the same person. If you lose that house, you're still the same person. None of that is big. Somebody say amen. It's blessed. I love it. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I love the good times, don't you? Man, I love those times where the business is going great and the money's pouring in and, and everybody's fun and we're going on vacations and, and just having the best time and family stuff. Everything's great, but I don't like the hard times. But I'm going to tell you this, that those things are little. They cannot determine our spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Because it's all going to pass anyway. Every bit of it is going to burn up. Every bit of it's going to somewhere else. Like Jesus said, you have gathered to yourself and you've built new, new storages for your wealth. But who are they going to go to when you're dead and gone? Listen, those things are little. It's not where we live. It's not the house we live in. But it is the house of God that we live in. Let me tell you this. It is vitally important, not where you live, but where you worship. Some people don't believe that. I'll just move somewhere and I'll find a church. Good luck. Good luck. It's important where you go to church. Can you say amen? That's a big thing. When you can go in on a Sunday morning and say, Lord, now I'm here, I want to be fed. And you know that you're going to get fed. You know that you're going to get blessed. You know that the blessing of the Lord is going to be in that place. That's big in your life. You take your children in there and you know that they're going to be covered. You know that, that they're going to teach them about the Lord. And, and those things you cannot buy, those things you cannot get somewhere else, you better stay with somewhere that you know is going to bless and feed your life and lead you and help you and guide you. God only has so many good ministers. Just because somebody has preacher on the door doesn't mean they're going to bless your life. So it is paramount, the doctrine, the teaching, the oversight, the care, the koinonia that you have is irreplaceable. Amen. Brother Jake said, uh, uh, this has been a little while now. He said, I don't know about anybody else, but this is my people and my church and my thing. And, uh, and I love this people and I love this body and I love this church. That's the right attitude. Because this is where we come together and get fed. Can you say amen? Don't you enjoy the koinonia of each other? The fellowship that we have here? The trust that we have for each other? The, the Just the, the, the feeling of, of family, spiritual family that we have in this place. 
It doesn't exist everywhere. There's other good places, but, but you better know what you're doing when it comes to the spiritual matter. That's the big thing in your life. Let me just finish that with this. What I think is little. What he thinks is everything. Do you know that God, in all these years of me being this you know, pastor man, God has never asked me of, of, of my opinion. Never once. Now, big pastor Rob, what do you think about this? He never has done that. Because really, he doesn't care about my opinion. <laughs> I mean, he cares if I'm down and hurrying. He's going to try and restore me, but he doesn't care about my opinion. What I think about his word. I'm going to change that word because, you know, we said last week, it's offending people, and, and we don't want to offend people. And so, Lord, we're just going to change it. He doesn't care about my opinion of the Scripture at all. He can replace me with anybody in this house. So I realized that, and, and, and then I realized, God, I just need to follow. The big thing in my life is not my opinion. The big thing in my life is I need to follow. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. But I've got some stuff to bring to the table. No, no you don't. There's no table to bring it to. His word just stands clear and firm and straight, and we preach that word, and we live that word, and there's nothing to add to that word. You just, just live that word. Just say, Lord, I just want to do it your way and not mine. Your way is the big way. My way is the insignificant way. Amen. Finally, my brethren, and everybody likes that. Finally, my brethren, the Protoss thing. And... Uh, Pastor Ronnie preached it last Sunday night. It just stirred my heart. Jesus showed this Protoss thing in the account of Mary and Martha. And uh, again, we were at sight and sound. And, and Don't you wish there were some things that you could unsee? That's, that's one of them. If I could just unsee the sight and sound, I'd feel better. This wasn't some frivolous thing, Jesus jumping around there like a little fairy. No. That's, he's got a message to give here. And what is the message? Mary is sitting, and the women usually were outside of the group of men. That's the way they did it in, in Israel. And they were sitting out, and Mary's sitting as close as she can get. Because there's something in her heart that says, I don't want to miss this. You only have so many opportunities in your life, and you don't want to miss the ones that are important. There's a lot of frivolous things going on in our life that really we attend to, and, and it's a big deal to us. Let me tell you this. I've heard this before and didn't think about it too much, but, but there are two levels, and the Lord shows them here. One of them is service. The other one is fellowship. I get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm just a servant because I believe that's who I am. Do you believe that's who you are? I just believe I'm a servant. That's, that's all I am. Lord, I just want to serve you today. I just, but, and that's good. But that's smaller 
than your relationship with Him. A lot of people just want to do service in the kingdom, but they don't want to really come to know the Lord. Your service in the kingdom is tempered by your knowledge and wisdom of Him. Well, a lot of people are doing a lot of things and they're calling it, this is what Christians do. This is, this is what the kingdom of God does. And we go out and we do a lot of community service stuff. And, and this, this is what Jesus would do. It's because they don't know the relationship with Him is not proper. They don't have a knowledge of what He would do. And service is not the first order. i got to win the world for you. That's not the first order. I've got to get out there and do some things for God and help, and not, that's not the first order. Raising your children right is not the first order. The protoss first order is to come into a knowledgeable relationship with Jesus Christ. There isn't anything bigger for your life. I'm preaching big and small this morning, but there's nothing that I can tell you that's going to be bigger for you than knowing the Lord and Savior personally for yourself. Not vicariously through me or the church or your spouse, but to know Him, to know who He is, to sit at His feet and to fellowship with Him, to hear His words, to hear spirit and life. That's the biggest issue of your life. Church needs to get it right. I mean, we've messed this thing up. We felt like that everything else was important. Everything else is not important. What's important is that you hear his words of spirit and life. Martha comes out and says, Jesus. And this is interesting too, because she thinks that her little problem is big enough to stop the whole meeting. The men are sitting around there. <laughs> What's Martha doing? She's, oh, she's whispering something to the Lord over there. Lord, my sister, she's not helping me. She's just sitting here lazy. She's lazy. So, Martha, you, you are encumbered around with a lot of things. You have a lot of stuff that you're doing, a lot of service. And it's all service, right? She's cooking and getting ready and taking care of, you know, going to feed the people that are there. And, and it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's not the important thing. See, Mary's got this thing figured out. The important thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus. If you get that figured out in your life, you're going to have this great new perspective of what's important. Come on. As long as I'm figuring out what's important, I'm going to miss it. But I get close to him, I begin to figure out what's important to him. Have you ever said, Lord, I want to love the things you love, and I want to hate the things you hate? And when you get close to him, you'll begin to do that. You'll begin to do that. You'll begin to, you'll begin to love what he loves, what he thinks is going to become important to you. Now, listen to what Jesus says here. Both of these things are important or essential service and relationship, but he makes a distinction between them. John 15, 15, and I always kind of wondered about this verse a little bit because 
all of the apostles, when they write back their epistles, they start it this way, a servant of Jesus Christ. But John 15, 15, the Lord says to them, I will no longer call you servants. I will now call you my friends or philoi. The word friend is really not strong enough in the English language. It doesn't, a friend can be an acquaintance, somebody that you have something in common with. It could be your neighbor across the street. But this philoi is someone dearly loved, prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant held in close bond of personal affection, experienced-based love. I love him because he is close to me and I am close to him and I have experienced who he is. I don't love him out of some wonder, lust thing that's going on in Scripture, kind of, sort of, here and there, and I want a sloppy, wet kiss from heaven. No, but I have experienced something about him that I love. I have experienced that He is my Lord, He's my Master, He's my Leader. I've experienced that He's right all the time when I'm even wrong. I have experienced that He lifts me up when I'm down. Somebody say amen. That He crowns me with glory in my life. I can't do that myself. And, and my experience in Him is that He has never ever let me down not one time the world has people have church has but Jesus my experience in him causes me to be more than just a servant it causes me to be a friend of Jesus can you imagine that those disciples who really feel like they're servants and he said I'm calling you more than just a servant because the servant does not know what the master does. But you know what I do. Well, how do they know that? Because they're up close to him. They're around him. They are listening. They are taking Mary's place. They are sitting at the feet of Jesus. And because of that relationship, he calls them friends. I'm going to tell you the biggest thing. The biggest thing in your life ever. Everything else is little. Is that Jesus would look at me and say, you're not just a servant. You're my friend. That blows me away. Can I be on a friend level with Jesus Christ? That he really looks at me as a confidant. He looks at me as somebody that he can trust in. That's big. Everything else is menial. But that he would call. We sing a song. I lay it all down again. That he would say that I'm his friend. I can't think of anything bigger. Can a church say amen? Oh, we can go out here and cast out devils and do all kinds of stuff. Oh, that's service. I want him to look at me and say, have you ever thought about it? He, he looked at, he told Satan, 
Have you seen my servant Job? Just something about that that just rings in my heart. And I wonder when the devil goes to accuse you and I, have you seen my servant Ron? You know, I just wonder, you know. Oh, Lord, I got mistakes in my life, you know. Oh, you're my friend. You're my friend. I love my Lord this morning. Can you say amen? Wow. The biggest thing in my life. I love my family dearly. I would lay down all that I have for them. I do and I have. But I love my Lord more than anything in this life. Nothing can compare. That's where we get to that Deuteronomy 6. We love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. I want him to call me friend. Can you say amen? That's not impossible. He did that with his disciples. And I believe he looks at us in that way. Would you stand with me this morning? God bless you. We've talked about big and little. And I hope it's somewhere along in there has rung a bell for you. That uh, the perspective of life, when you get where I'm at, when you get where my dad's at, he just, you know, something to eat and a you know, place to sleep and watch over me. That's that's where he's at in life. And it goes to that. It goes to simple. We got all this stuff that seems so big. And really what needs to be big in our life is our Lord Jesus, Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's just pursue that with a whole heart. Amen. How much going to pursue the Lord with a whole heart now? Say, Lord. Okay, I'm, 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 I've been pursuing some other things pretty hard, so. I'm going to pursue you, Lord. Jesus, we just love you this morning. and Lord, for all the things that we are, all the interests that we have, Lord, all the challenges in life that we go through, the misunderstandings, Lord, the mishaps that we encounter in life, they're all little when compared to you. Lord, so we got one thrust this morning. It's something that we continually lay on the church because it is really... There is only one true. Jesus, it is you. And so we ask you, O oh Lord, this morning that our eyes will always take you to the big. Lord, we take your words to the big thing. Take your advice, Lord, your knowledge to the big thing. God, that we will have relationship with you. That is the big thing in our life. And God, then everything under that. That's why you said seek first the kingdom of God and his rise. Then all these things, they're just, they're just stuff. They're just little. They just make their way through life, Lord. But there's one thing that we seek after. And God, that is to know you, our Lord and Savior. And we just ask a blessing on each one that heard this morning that you would touch our hearts and mold us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of thank you this morning.